Okay, so this episode does not, does not take a normal path of a radio person who starts in a place that you might expect and has stops uh, that you also expect. This actually is going to be very interesting to hear about uh, because this person is a market manager in today's radio world but comes from a totally different background. And it's just very interesting to see how it all comes together. Sales plays a mainstream role, but it's more than that. And you get to listen in and hear a really different perspective. It's going to sound different. It's going to be different, but this sounds like exactly the kind of person we really like to talk to on our podcast. Welcome to the encouragers, the radio rally podcast on Apple, audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. Our goal always remains the same, which is to encourage radio pros at all levels. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, you already know that we drop a fresh weekly episode featuring a radio pro right now uh, working in radio. We do it each Sunday. And to enjoy our podcast, you only have to be interested in others. Be open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools to get ahead, and ways to make your radio career more profitable and successful. Kind of examples of others. Kind of cool. Each week, we have an opportunity to see a snapshot of an individual in our business. It allows us to see radio really from a different perspective, a different career arc, and to hear how they're embracing radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or what we call ourselves, RPC. Our consulting practice is what we call an actual multiplier. That's an interesting word, but really it means that we are charged with and we focus in on helping local radio generate higher ratings and higher revenue. So it's about the leveraging of that those assets too. It's just this simple. When we go to work for a client, they follow our collaborative process and strategy, their revenue and their profit margin rises. Ideas of the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? Are your local radio stations programmed and positioned to collect the most money in today's local radio markets like yours? Do you need better sales recruitment strategy? We can help you. Schedule a meetup by email. It's easy. First consultation is free. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We're just a couple of minutes, maybe less, away from talking with Debbie Patton. She's with Alpha Media in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And I promise you, she has an untraditional story that you're really going to like. A big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which we make available minutes after we record the interview live. And we sling this out on social media. People talk to us about this because it's usually the first way that people come in contact with us. They see it in social media and then they go, oh, wait, it's a podcast. And then they find out there are over 130 episodes. By the way, also want to say a big thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Look, see what you can get for free from our team in our free blog section. It says free stuff. It's really easy at RainmakerPathway.com, including our Encouraging Sales Success Series and our More Than Live and Local Series as well. And right now, let's see what we can learn from this week's guest. Debbie, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so nice to have you on the show. And listen, 
I anybody listening goes, wait a minute, that's a different accent. Where did you grow up? <laughs> and so some people hear the accent anymore and some people don't. It's always interesting. Um, I grew oh, up yeah. in Ireland, Southeast Ireland, real close to Waterford. Nice. And is there a, a is there a first experience with you and radio as a listener, not as somebody who works at radio, but somebody who like that first experience coming in contact with radio that you could tell us about? Yeah, I was actually eight. Um, we had a little uh, local radio station in my hometown and they had a singing competition and I was one of the contestants. <laughs> so oh, and then, yeah, you sang live on the radio and it was definitely your little local radio station, you know, but it was a lot of fun. So that would have been pretty much my first introduction to anything radio. All right. And so it was a great experience for you, I'm assuming. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And would you call yourself at that time a really great singer or what? I thought I was. You Excellent. Know, <laughs> I think that works. All right. So can you tell us about, I, I don't know if you say TIP FM or T-I-P-P-F-M and Ireland. Just give us a little background there. Okay. It is TIP FM um, because it's in T County Tipperary. That's where it that's where that comes from. Um, extremely long story short, up until 1989, there were only two radio stations, legal radio stations in the country. Um, RTE one, which was in English, and RTE two, which was in Gaelic. Now there were a number of pirates around the country, um, and of course they would get. You know, people would come in one day and they're moving on to the next place because the police have gone in, and so. They never used their own names because what they were doing was, quite frankly, illegal. Um, right. I guess 1989, the Irish government got smart and said, you know what, we could probably make a lot of money off of this. So they did hand out licenses around that time. Um, I was actually working on becoming a newspaper journalist during that time. And all of a sudden, there's a number of radio stations around the country and they don't have enough talent to fill in the spots either between on-air talent or news, um, et cetera. Um, so I was recruited from that class I was in. So complete accident was my first foray into radio. So I was the newspaper journalist. And then I also actually had my own show on a Saturday night where I played the top hits of the day. Mm. And And did you enjoy that? I did. I think I might have enjoyed it, enjoyed it more than the listeners, because um, when uh, they go out and they, you know, ask, how do you feel about certain programs? And they say, we love the music on Saturday night. The lady who spins the music, not so much. Oh, so. My goodness. <laughs> you have to work on those people. Listen, I, I don't know if I don't know if this is a smart question to ask or not. But for those of us who may not know what Gaelic is, can you give an example or? Yes, um, Gaelic. I think a lot of people think Gaelic is more like a, um, a dialect, and it's not. It is its own language, and it's almost sounds very Germanic. Um, and we learn it from when we're four until we leave school, and you have to be pretty fluent in it to get any kind of government job. Um, so I don't know much. I have, I've lost a lot of it, but to say thank you in Irish or in Gaelic would be garamahagos. 
Oh, so. that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> you, know, you know, I wasn't. So listen, I want people to get a grasp of how different your background is and how interesting it is. From there, you end up as an administrative assistant at Patterson and Patterson Art Gallery in London. Tell us about the art world and what you got from that experience, please. Yeah, I had studied art and art history in school, so it was something I was definitely very passionate about. Um, and when I lost my job, as I said, I went to London and stayed with three friends and threw my resume out there and ended up working for this art gallery down at Green Park, which is very close to Leicester Square in London. And I was 19 at the time, so I was right in the heart of London, and it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Oh, I can just imagine. And and now you're starting to have this whole, not just not just Ireland, but a whole kind of European flair. But we're really going to flip it up now. Okay? <laughs> That's right. Your, your resume jumps to Sicily, Italy and uh, uh, jewelry and then the states in Virginia and uh, Chesapeake if, excavation. These are not radio jobs. These jobs do apparently put you in the path of sales and then accounting or or managing revenue, didn't they? And when I look back and when I never would have thought about it that way, but yes, I guess you are correct. In London, you figure the art gallery I was working for was pretty exclusive. We had clients like Michael Caine, Tom Selleck. So it allowed me to be around people at of a different class of people, I guess, than I typically would never have been. Um, so that was good for me. Um, I learned to be comfortable outside of my own class, which would have been, I guess, technically working class. Um, right. Yeah, I ended up going to Sicily initially to work as a nanny. And the family oh. have, yeah. So I was supposed to teach these kids English, um, but they ended up speaking English with an Irish accent. I don't, I don't know if, that's what, <laughs> if that was initially the plan, but but they had a jewelry store. So once the kids went back to school after the summer holidays, they figured, you know, there's a military base half an hour from us. We get a lot of American people coming in to buy our jewelry. You speak English, they speak English. How about, you know, see how, how that might work out. Nice. Um, and so that's literally how it worked out. The um, I was upstairs in the jewelry store. And like I said, it was a Navy base, Sigonella, um, that was half an hour away. And many, many, many Americans found their way to Carlentini to the jewelry store that I worked for. Interesting. And look, I'm going to go back to the art gallery for a minute because, well, you, you name drop. So I, I got to know, <laughs> did you did you meet Michael Caine? Did you meet Tom Selleck? I met Michael Caine and I met Jeffrey Archer. I don't know if you know, he's a poly English politician slash um, uh, author. Um, and there's a, yeah, and there's a couple of more and I, I can see them in my head. I can't think, but it was definitely the, the more affluent. I remember I was in there my first week and I was putting some files away and I saw a file with Tom Selleck on it. And I looked at the one of the girls and I said, that's funny. Imagine having the same name as Tom Selleck. And she said, Debbie, that is Tom Selleck. <laughs> wow. So that was the first time I realized the caliber um, of art that the gallery had for one. Um, mm -hmm. And 
the potential people that I would meet, especially when they would have their open nights for new artists, that kind of thing. So interesting. You have all this background and so untraditional. You moved to Fredericksburg in 1997. This is where you end up as, now I'm going to try to say this right, director of traffic and then sales at WBQB. Uh, you'd had sales opportunities in other arenas, but what did radio sales feel like to you and how was that different? That again was actually by accident. I had applied for the position as director of traffic and I and our traffic assistant actually initially. Um, within a couple of years, I became the director of traffic. Once I became director of traffic, I used to be writing out the commission checks for all these salespeople. And so I was <laughs> like, hold on here a second. Look at all the money they're making. And all those women do is they go out and get their hair done and their nails done. And I'm in here working my butt off because, of course, perception is you work harder than anybody else, you know, wherever you work. Right. Um, so eventually it took a few years. Eventually, I persuaded the managers there to give me a shot. Um, and they did. And it worked out. It worked out really well, actually. In my right, first. So mm -hmm. This tells me that you sold them on the idea of letting you sell, right? I did. And I did. It was interesting how I did it. I was like, I'm not just going to go to the boss and ask for a chance. I actually mailed a uh, my resume and a cover letter to my manager at the time as if I didn't know her. And mm. I put it. Yeah. So it was kind of different. But I wanted yeah. to sort of come at it from kind of not walking into the office and having her look at me and try to persuade her why it would be a good idea to let me at least try it. Um, and quite frankly, and I, I was good at being director of traffic. And it's one of those positions in radio that it's pretty um, hard to find people to do that job. And so mm -hmm. it almost handicapped me a little bit into them actually wanting to try and. Yeah, because if you find somebody who's good at doing traffic, one mm -hmm. thing that you don't want to do is let loose of them to do something else. Exactly. Um, but they eventually they had one of the sales reps left. And so they were like, OK, let's give it a shot. And so with the very first year there, I remember in new business, I had built more new business myself than the all the all the other reps collectively. Um, yeah, I'm one of these people, you know, I knew I had something to prove and mm -hmm. I'm a hard worker. You know, I have a goal that I'll set myself at and then I'll figure out how to get there. And well, let's talk about this in an interesting sort of way. As I began looking at your career arc and the things that you have done, it's like you're the kind of person that kind of digs in and studies things. Now, let's say this. This is a quote about you. Debbie Patton is a student of radio while always attending to the needs of her clients. As a manager, you cannot ask for a better example of an employee. She is like a sponge soaking in all advice and guidance. What made her a particular delight, and that's in quotes, by the way, for me, <laughs> is, to manage is that she was her own biggest critic. So listen, do you today look for sellers with that same drive that you seem to have always had? Yeah, I tend, if I can find somebody that can has experience selling, um, great. 
But honestly, I look for character traits. Um, I'm going to look for somebody who's self-motivated, somebody who's driven, um, has ethics, has really good work ethics, um, because those are the things you cannot teach anybody. You either have it or you don't, you know, and then I can teach somebody how to sell. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing either, because to teach somebody from the ground up, I can teach them how I want to teach them. And they're not kind of coming to me with bad habits. Um, so well, I, there's, yeah, there's challenges in both. Obviously, the idea you, would be you, to find. Yeah. <laughs> do you like uh, getting people that say they've got a sales background, maybe not in radio, and then really building them from the ground up? Do you like that process? Oh, there's nothing more satisfying. There's nothing more satisfying than seeing the potential in somebody, even when they don't see it in themselves. Um, mm -hmm. And you put these possibilities in front of them and you really help them understand that they can, that first of all, that they can do it. Um, right. And then with the right encouragement and the right guidance, you know, they can do very, very well. And there's nothing more satisfying than that, than being part of somebody's success in life. I mean, it's very humbling, but there is just nothing like it. It's very cool, especially especially if you can be fortunate enough to be the first one that sees this talent and then you you. You encourage the person and then you see them blossom. It's really great. Now, we we've learned about you that you are self-educational. You have a lot of drive. Do you have or have you had a mentor in our business? If so, can you share maybe a story about how they've changed your professional life? I wouldn't say necessarily that I've had a mentor. <clears throat> what I have done is at each of the places I've worked, I would always kind of, there was always somebody I would pay attention to that I liked how they worked. Um, at Centennial, for example, they, there was a salesperson in there who had the utmost respect for the traffic department. Um, you'd have other reps that might come in and say, you know, I know it's past deadline, you got to get this done or else. And whereas he was very good at managing his clients and when mm -hmm. push came to shove, you know, he was like, nope, you're going to have to start the next day. It's too late. But, you know, if ever he needed that last minute thing done, I would stay late for that man because I knew, you know what I mean? He really needed it. So mm -hmm. as a salesperson, I tried to emulate him. And then I had my very first general manager at Star Radio Group. I was very, very lucky. Um, and he was very good to me. He, I kind of had to leave Centennial to go someplace else in order to be a good salesperson because I kept being brought back into the traffic department when there was problems. And oh, I think sure. that was, yeah. And so I really needed to leave in order to work on being a salesman. I work in Anybody sales. in radio would completely understand that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, of course, they drag you right back in, you know, because it's like, well, we know how to solve this problem. Just get Debbie. You exactly. know, and uh, of course, that's not going to be conductive to a, a great sales career, <laughs> of course. So right. listen, Star Radio Group really enters the picture. And you began doing at that time, I sense more complex marketing and partnering with local businesses. Did you like having resources with Star Radio Group as diverse as radio and events and digital and newspaper? Because it seems like you had all of that. 
Yeah, it's kind of ironic how, you know, I wanted to be a newspaper journalist and then I end up working for a company that started as a newspaper. Um, but typically, like the radio side kind of stayed separate to newspaper. But we mm -hmm. did try on occasion to sort of incorporate them both um, in particular campaigns for clients. And I was the first one to incorporate a newspaper slash radio um campaign um and it was very very cool to be able to do that i bet all right so listen 2015 you became a senior account executive with alpha media usa that's kind of familiar to us from your <laughs> perspective but this wasn't a current thing this is in the past uh in fredericksburg and of course this was largely because of their purchase of star radio group right. where you served for nine plus years you continue to grow uh your partnerships and your skill sets uh taking all of these different platforms and finding what solved problems for each client didn't you well, yeah, I mean, there's nothing like having this, you know, a bevy of things that you can do, because at the end of the day, selling is solving problems. And the more instruments you have at your hands to be able to help with that, the better. Um, and with Alpha came uh, our digital capabilities. Um, right. And so then at that point, yeah, it was very interesting to be able to incorporate and at the time, digital was fairly new. So it was mm -hmm. you know, trying to understand what it was and then trying to figure out what elements can help a campaign or can help a particular client, because I wasn't going to just sell it to them because I was told. Right. <laughs> um, I've never believed in doing that because, you know, one sale and for the wrong reason that does not get results means it's the last sale and it's not serving you or the client any good at well, all. That's all about your the trust that they put in you and it can be uh, taken away, right? Oh, it can. I mean, the only thing you have is your integrity. Right. Um, and you can work on that for 20, 30 years and it just takes one incident um, for it to go. And I remember actually with the, the general manager I was talking about one time called me into his office and a client had called complaining about their invoice. And they complained saying that um, they had only wanted to advertise on one of the stations and the invoice showed that they were advertised on both. And I told my boss, well, yeah, they called wanting to advertise on WFLS, but it also made sense for them to, to advertise on the Vibe. So I combined them and they signed the contract. Extremely long story short, anyway, I guess this client... Mm -hmm. cried and yelled and hollered loud enough that my boss said, Debbie, he said, we're just going to have to not pay that. And it was the first time ever I've cried. And I'll never forget it. I just started mm -hmm. crying in his office and he didn't know what the heck to do. Right. And so, <laughs> so once I kind of got myself all calmed down and he was like, Debbie, he said, what is wrong? And I said to him, I said, do you realize you just told that person that I lied. Wow. I said, yeah, I, I'll always remember that. And he remembers that too. He'll always say, I'll never forget that day you cried in my office. That's so it, serious the way you did that. You know, I'm sure that caught him completely unaware. Very much so. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Because he probably thought, well, you're crying about the commission or you're crying, you know, and then you're mm -hmm. like, no, it's no. this. 
Yeah. It's the trust. So, so listen, 2017, and I don't want people to get confused because we're using some of the same names here again. <laughs> it's important for people to understand how long you've been in this market and that you have deep relationships in this market and that you know this market, Fredericksburg. Um, you moved in 2017 to Centennial Broadcasting. What brought you back to Centennial? Yeah, it's always interesting. It's like I've yo-yoed back and forth. I spent uh, nine years initially at Centennial, then mm -hmm. 12 years at Star Radio slash Alpha. And then at the end of that, culturally wise at the station, there was things happening that made it kind of more difficult for me to be able to do my job. Um, mm -hmm. And another opportunity arose at Centennial Broadcasting that made sense at that time. And so I jumped at that and kind of went back. And my old boss that had worked at this at Star Radio Group was over there. So and I knew most of the people there as well. So it was mm -hmm. a nice comfort zone to go back. Nice. And and look, then 2019, you became the local sales manager of WBQB. That had to be really, that had to be kind of cool. Clearly, you know this station well, but this was a step up to local sales manager. At least that's what I'm seeing. Was that a big adjustment for you or did you kind of take to it rapidly? It was a, an adjustment, I think, mainly because I was now managing who were my peers prior to then. And that was difficult. I'm not going to lie. It was very difficult for me and also for them to sort of put aside who I had been and to look at who I was at that time. So it took me a long time to sort of work around that. I'm not going to lie, um, because I'm one of those people where I know people are going to look at me and judge me for what I am and for what I'm going to do. Um, I don't like to say this is who I am. I'd like to show people. And so, you know, so it took a little while. It did take How a while. How did you get people? Because that is a big deal. And look, that happens to a lot of people in our business. Some people can make that transition. Other people can't make that transition because people look at them the way they've always looked at them. How did you become successful at making that transition for yourself? Well, perseverance, I guess, and knowing when I am very good, I'm very pragmatic. I'm very good at separating um, relationships, whether it be friendship and business. And so I would always start any conversation with, you know, OK, we're friends, we're talking or OK, now we're in business. This is a business conversation and we take it from there. Um, and it, you know, it was challenging because I was also doing my sales at, at the same time. And so it, it was tough. You know, I don't think I know I wasn't given really enough opportunity to do that job as well as I would have liked, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then I didn't like the fact that while I'm inside working on, you know, being the LSM, my sales were starting to um, decline. Um, and so, you know, you have to sit back and make a choice on what do you need to do at any given time. Um, as long as somebody is teaching me, I'm game and I'm good to go. But, you know, if I'm not going to mm -hmm. get the support that I need for the position that I've been put into, then nobody's going to win. Well, and look, when you see that you're managing, I mean, this is also probably true of a lot of people. You see that you're managing sellers and then you see your your sales start to decline. 
you know, there's always that temptation to go, wait, 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 I got to deal with this and the heck with the managing, you know, yep. or vice versa, or, you know, how do you, how do you balance that? But I did step down from being the local. Oh, you did? I did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I didn't feel I was, I basically had two full-time jobs and both of them were suffering. And if I can't do something well, I don't want to do it at all. And Mm. so at that point, I was doing two jobs, in my opinion, not good enough. Um, So I took a step back at that time because I didn't have enough training and enough um, coaching and encouragement. Listen, training is so important. And and you're talking to Grand Central Station of the people that believe in encouragement because the name of this podcast starts with that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I just think we can't get enough encouragement. You know, when we opened our practice, I just said, I want that to be the center of what we do with clients is to show how powerful that encouragement is. But you talk about training, and I think training is one of the biggest things for sellers. It's one of the biggest things for first-time managers. Uh, I would even say it's it's really important for senior sellers and senior managers. It's a big deal, especially in the sales arena. You know, I don't want to leave people out on the programming side because uh, it's equally important there. Um, do you do a lot of training with your staff now? We do. We keep, you know, you can never stop learning, and especially with the how things are within the world of media right now. It's changing so quickly, you know, mm-hmm. that you have to be constantly learning and constantly figuring out what's happening out there so you can get ahead of it. Um, right. And to be able to speak to somebody intelligently about things that are happening um, right now, like within the, the world of digital, you know, you'd need somebody to feel comfortable with you. And if you right. don't do your own training and don't provide the 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 training for your your staff that's not going to happen well the, you know knowledge is power as they say and yep. and being the most knowledgeable person about different solutions for your client or potential client is so powerful listen in 2021 you returned to alpha media so still in fredericksburg if you're keeping <laughs> up uh i would like for you to tell us about uh, Alpha Media, meaning the company itself, mm-hmm. and then Alpha Media Fredericksburg and your role today. Yeah, kind of all comes around full circle, doesn't it? Um, mm-hmm. I always say that at Star Radio Group is where I really learned to sell and I really learned my, about how I could sell. And I was not too bad at it. Um, when I, I was, uh, I was asked back to Alpha Media as market manager um, back in 2021, which is why I went back. Um, initially, I fought against it. I actually told <laughs> I told the regional um, no probably three, four, five times, and he would not take no as an answer. And finally, he said, Debbie, why? Why not? And I was like, I said, look, I said, I don't have the experience that you need for this department right now. You know, we're in the middle of COVID. I said, you need somebody with experience with X, Y, Z. And, you know, I had that conversation with him. Right. And he was like, Debbie, yes, I agree. And the fact that you already know what I need to me shows that you are the proper person for the job. Mm. And um, and I kind of went from there. And 
about a year after that, I remember I was speaking with him and I thanked him. And I was like, thank you for bugging the heck out of me to take that and, job. And give us that person's name just so we know who that really cool that is person my, is. Yeah, that is Mike Hartel. He's the chief revenue officer of Alpha Media. Excellent. Yeah, he's always been such a great um, encourager, I should say, and always always big at pushing me to where I can go and knowing what I'm capable of some of the time before I even know myself. That's great. That's yeah. really great. So so tell us about your stations at Alpha Media Fredericksburg. We have four radio stations. You know, we have WFLS, as we always call it, the big bad boy in town. It's country. So us being so close to D.C. and government, it's a very, very popular station because, as you know, country music is very patriotic. And so, you know, we're in the right place for that. Right. It's a 50,000 watt station. So it reaches from northern Virginia to north Richmond. So we've got a really nice, large footprint um, right. Then we have two smaller Class A's. We have WWUZ, which is a classic rock station, and that kind of goes more a little bit more south. And then we have ninety nine three Live ninety nine three, which is pretty much your top forty, and that heads a little bit more north. And then we do also have a news and talk station WNTX. It's a lot of ESPN and. We used to have Rush Limbaugh on there, of course, and so we still have Sean Hannity, and it seems to be less and less of the talkers and more and more of the sports. <laughs> it seems to be going anymore. Sports has become very popular, though, right? Yes, it has. Yes, it has. All right. So, listen, what are the keys, in your opinion, to being a great market manager today? Because I think, you know, we're all fascinated with that role because it's a lot of responsibility. It is. And I think at the end of the day, I don't think it does no matter what you do, it's all boils down to relationships. You know, you need to have good relationships with your staff. Um, and I rem- I knew when I got this position, there were still some people there that had worked with me before. And I 100% knew they're probably thinking, she has no experience. What the heck are they doing hiring her? Because if I had been in there, I'd have been thinking the same thing. And, you know, and I knew I had a lot to prove. I knew I had to earn their respect. And so I did it bit by bit. You know, I listened to what they needed. There were some issues that needed to be handling and I took care of them. And little bit by little, you know, typically you'll see in a radio station how you've got sales versus programming. And I put a stop to that right away because every single department and every person in that building has a huge part in making sure, first of all, we have a great product. If we don't have a great product, we can't sell. If we can't sell, nobody's getting their paycheck. So, you know, to really have everybody recognize what everybody's role in their success, I think is key. And being empathetic, you know, you've got to understand where people come from. And I think me having worked in most of the departments has been really, really helpful because I do genuinely know you know, how it feels to be in traffic, what it felt to be like on the air, um, et cetera. And so that has definitely been a key advantage to me. There's no doubt about that. It's really interesting. We think about you from the beginning of this interview and all the things that you've done and coming to this market and then spending so much time here, being so familiar with all these products and having 
taken that turn at local sales manager. And now you find yourself in this big, big role of market manager with supportive people who will give you the training you need and and kind of mold you into where you're going, really, not just where you are, but where you're going in your career. Listen, if you could impact it, and this is really kind of funny because maybe you can actually, what would you like to see the future of radio be like? Yeah, it seems every so many years there's something happens where everybody says radio is going to die, you know, TV, cassette (laughs) tapes. Well, there's always the I can't people, right? Exactly, 100%. But, you know, the reason why radio is so successful is it's local and, again, relationships, you know, and I think that's something that radio has to do. We have to just stay local, you know, be that conduit for the community and how to help them and get that information out when they need it. Um, That's the strength of radio. And sometimes we forget that. Um, But I think the more you stay local, then you're still relevant. And I think that's what's important. Absolutely. I love that you said local, but then you added in relational and the importance of that. And mm-hmm. I would just add the the third wheel, if you will, which is creativity, which I think sometimes yeah. we leave we leave behind mistakenly. And that's not spending more money. That's using your brain to do creative things that are strategic. Debbie, I want to thank you for spending this time with us and being our guest on this podcast. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Well, I tell you, it has been our pleasure for sure. And certainly some unexpected turns. We love that. Please don't take for granted what we are doing here and help us by sharing this episode directly from our website at rainmakerpathway.com in the free blog section. It says free stuff. You'll find it. And sharing this episode, of course, with others who are interested in growing their careers in radio and audio. This episode of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast is designed just like the other 130 plus episodes episodes in our archive to encourage radio pros at all levels. I want to say a very special thank you to today's guest, Debbie Patton with Alpha Alpha Media in Fredericksburg, Virginia. She really knows her stuff. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which we make available moments after our live interview. And we thank uh, JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in radio and audio. They can subscribe for free anytime on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. We say this all the time on the podcast, and I say it to clients regularly, especially in the beginning of relationships. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. If you have any questions about this philosophy, please reach out to me. I love sharing this passion and talking about this practice, and I love to prove it to clients as well. If you don't remember anything from this episode, please, Remember this, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers. Now go make it a great week in local radio.